table. Pam, you uh, you lit it up, and Emily and Beverly both. Uh, all of you guys have been phenomenal. I feel like I've been, been in heaven. I, I don't know what it's going to sound like, but it's got to sound pretty close. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to share with you this message on the power of the resurrection. But I want to pray first, because I'm just all stirred up right now. Father, thank you for your mercy to us. What a blessing. God, you have ministered to us an anointed song today so that we can worship the real King of Kings, the real Lord of Lords. God, we can worship you in spirit and in truth. And Father, thank you for making this like heaven on earth for us. Truly, Lord, we couldn't have had or been in any other scenario or situation, circumstance today, Lord, where we could have been more blessed, delighted, and Lord, our souls could be lifted up. Jesus, this is all about you and it's all for you. It's all about the one who is not dead. There, Lord, we know that you suffered and we know that you died, but we know that you were raised again and you're seated in the heavenly places right now. And Father, for that very reason, for that very reason, we can come to you. And you, you said that if we cast our cares upon you, you care for us. You declared so much so that if we ask anything according to your will, the resurrection tells us the fact that you're seated at the, in heavenly places right now and that you are alive, that we can ask anything in Jesus' name when it's according to your will and we can be certain that we have it. Father, today I thank you for that resurrection and I pray, Lord, with all my heart, God, that you would give me just as much of an anointing to be able to preach about the resurrection, Father, to help clear up any doubt in our minds as to whether this is true. And Father, what is it all about? Why is it so important? Why is it so important? God, we thank you today that we are living, living in this moment. God, that you are now revealing to us what we need in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. Amen. Wow, wow, wow. I'm incredibly blessed. How about you? If you're incredibly blessed, I need to hear an amen out there. Here we go. We're incredibly blessed. The power of the resurrection. I want you to turn to your Bibles. You're going to see some scriptures up there, but I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27 and 28. I'm going to look at a few verses here in chapter 28, starting with verse 1. Chapter 28, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, and we're going to read to verse 7. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And we know that this is Jesus' tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. <laughs> I don't know if you ever caught that part in the Bible, but it's like the angel rolls away the stone and then sits on it. <laughs> You're not moving it back, that's for sure. This count, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for He has risen, as He said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell His disciples that He has risen from the dead. Indeed, He is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. I want to share with you uh, some thoughts on what I feel like could broaden the perspective of the resurrection for you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is so vastly important. It is the one thing that distinguishes Him from the best of prophets and from the greatest of angels. The resurrection isolates the gospel from the possibility that any other religious system could possibly make man right with God. 
It ratifies the death of Jesus on the cross as the only substitute for sin, whereby we can be forgiven and justified by God. The resurrection did not limit God in the love He could have for us from the love He could give to us. The resurrection did not limit, I'm sorry, the resurrection was so miraculous that it could not be duplicated by another. Distinguishing the cross of Christ is the only valid provision to settle the conflict between the sin of man and the justice of God. The resurrection gives us immediate and complete access to God with only the conditions of repentance and faith so that we may voluntarily enter into that new relationship with Him. See, the resurrection ultimately is what separates See, like I said, it cannot be duplicated by anybody else. God gave us something that could not be duplicated so that to show that the death of Jesus, number one, was not the death of God. Number two, that no other prophet, no other person who proclaims or says that there's another way to God could actually truly give us any better demonstration or any greater demonstration that validated it. But Jesus could, and Jesus did. So as many people who are confused and wondered about and and not sure about this Jesus or about God themselves or about the Bible, the one thing you can't do is you can't disprove the resurrection. There's nothing we can do today. Scholars and people in history, if it could have been done, it would have been done. Because they have gone very carefully. Skeptics, atheists, every one of them has searched some way that they could disprove whether Jesus Christ was raised up, was never raised from the dead. That Jesus had stayed in the grave or that He had never died. And yet, it cannot be proven. See, because if it could, that right now, I wouldn't be preaching. And if I was, it would be a waste of time because I, it had been disproved and discredited the faith that we have in, in God. The other thing I think we need to realize is, is because of something so imminent as the resurrection itself. Because see, the death, we talk about the death and the burial of Jesus and that's basically the sin, the sacrifice for our sins. So every time we've sinned before God, we, or sinned at all in the world, we have to think about what, how are we going to be able to stand before the Creator of the universe who has no sin, who's perfectly holy. And there really isn't an option there. There isn't any other option that if there's no forgiveness, there's no ability for me to be forgiven, and my sin history and my sin present to be cured or dealt with by any other means, I have no hope of forgiveness. And so that's pretty powerful to think that God gave us not only the death and burial of Jesus, but He proved that Jesus was the only one by giving Him the resurrection. And again, you have to realize, resurrection means that they were dead and yet came back to life. Now we do have biblical history of those that came back to life, but none of them raised themselves up from the dead. Jesus said, you, I, t- I, t- you, I take my life and raise it up again. So I raised my life up. You can't, you can't take that and then raise, keep me in the grave. And so I think that being said, we have to remember that only Jesus, only God, could prove that to us. So some people say, show me a sign. Show me a sign that you're real. Why do we need one specifically for our own independent life? Why can't we go back in history and see the sign? There's no better one. If, if you were to give me a healing, there, that wouldn't be better than the resurrection. There's nothing that you could give me as more viable proof than that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's good enough for me. And now, because of that, God can continue to filter into our life residual miracles on the basis of that resurrection. He can continue to do things that we ask Him, but He does it Not because that's the proof that He's God. Because He's already proven that He's God. He's already proven that Jesus was a good enough sacrifice. But He's continued to affirm and reaffirm over and over again. Because of our failing hearts. Because of how difficult it is for us to believe. But the truth is, we need no further proof. So we see throughout the Bible, we see infallible, irrefutable proof of the resurrection. So what we needed is not just that it happened, but we need enough evidence around it and surrounding it so that today, for the people who never saw it, who were never there to witness it, could say, I know that I know 
that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I know that I know that He rose from the dead. And so we have a Bible that says a lot of things that people have tried to contradict over the years. And whatever our malice is toward the Bible, the trouble is is that as hard as you work at trying to disprove it, and most people haven't, but what we really have is a lot of people who tried to disprove it and only didn't spend most of their life proving it. The skepticism is fine. We invite it. I invite your skepticism over the Bible and look it over. Yes, you'll find things that you think are discrepancies until you understand from page to page and from the beginning to the end, the completion and the fullness of that is one full revelation and that rightly understood, there's nothing about it that is contradicting. Not ultimately. Not ultimately. But here we have some of these infallible proofs. I want you to look here in Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look at a few of these verses. In verse, chapter, in verse 51, we have an earthquake and the veil of the temple was torn. There was an earthquake. When Jesus died, there was an earthquake. It was so convincing that one of the guards said, surely this was the Son of God. And actually this clouds, if I remember right, the clouds began to grow dark. And there was just kind of a darkness over the earth. Just this mysterious darkness that happened. And so we have the eyewitness testimony from the very disciples of Jesus we're reading here. So yes, of course, my Bible was not written by the disciples, but we have the early manuscripts from the disciples that this Bible was written from. Saints came out of their graves. So in verse 52, I know that would be proof enough, right? So Jesus was, Jesus was not yet resurrected, but when He died, there was uh, one of the signs came before the resurrection as the saints come up out of the graves. So in verse 52, we read this. Um, I'm sorry, let's go, I'm going to go back to Psalm, I mean, sorry, Matthew 27, verse 52. It says, And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. How many of you would be convinced? Right? I mean, I, I'm trying to wrap around my head what it would have, did the, did the earth, all of a sudden the dirt come up and, and the body, how did this happen? See, there's a lot of this that, you know, they didn't describe it. They just told us what it was. But I think that that would have been enough to convince me. And then we see in, in chapter 28, so now that the resurrection takes place, we see another earthquake happen. I don't know to what magnitude. It says another earthquake on the first day of the week. So 28 verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, uh, from the door and sat on it. Now I don't know about you, but an angel of heaven, I wonder what it looked like, but it must have been, it must have been some kind of a mask to it. But it said that he was the countenance, the countenance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. There's still a lot for me to picture what that would look like. But all of that is God proving, demonstrating, revealing. I think God gave these miracles, miracles like no other, one after another, so squished so tightly, so that there would be no doubt, no doubt as to reason whether Jesus was raised from the dead. All of the proofs and miracles that had to take place. Because I think this that was the one miracle out of every miracle that ever happened, everything that we ever read of in the Bible, every miracle that's happened since then, whether we know of it or not, all of those miracles that this was one miracle that had the greatest emphasis. This is the one that needed to happen the most. It's the one that needed to be most evident and most convincing. Because nothing else is as important as that whether Jesus was raised from the dead. So something interesting about this stone that was rolled away, it was so massive that they say that it, should, it would have been somewhere between um, 1,500, 1,500 pounds to 2,000 pounds to be able to roll it. They said that, wouldn't you, that even 20 men couldn't roll away that stone. There was a purpose behind that because not only was it that God had to show many miracles to bring convincing light, but there was in the history of all of this, the Jews did not want anything they didn't want any possibility of the disciples taking away the body of Jesus 
And the Romans didn't want it because Jesus had gotten so much credibility that they didn't want any possibility that he could some of his prophecies about raising from the dead could be fulfilled. So there was this stone that was so massive that it would have taken a huge number of men to be able to roll it away. And so imagine a 2,000 pound stone that the angel moves away and then sits right on top of it. Just a laughingly way of saying, do you see how it's impossible for man to get an edge over God? So then we have, he sat on it, guarded it, and the guards shook. So in verse 4, which we had already read, the guards shook for fear and fell down as dead men. There was two thoughts behind this. The Jews could have had a guard over it, and they would have had, this. typically they would have had in their guard, uh, would have been 120, um, at least some of the history, so they would have had 120, but they said more probable was that the Roman um, Romans had set up a guard against it, and there would have been 16 men, and each man trained to fortify himself against a great, a good company of men and be able to fight in battle. So it would be like the elite special forces in the Roman army. And so f- roughly figuring there could have been uh, 16 men guarding this stone to make sure that the disciples didn't come and steal away the body. So I would say we have two things that's really important to think about. Number one, there was so much work done to make sure that Jesus was sealed away, that this was an absolute impossibility for man to do anything about stopping or raising or keeping anybody from thinking that Jesus was nothing but dead. I mean, this is an impossibility for men It'd be a possibility that anybody would think that otherwise, unless if God had done something miraculous. And we have the second one is, is that God brought about so many miracles to convince so many people. Now, I hope that if we were there today, if we were watching these events take place, that we would have been able to believe. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we would have been convinced by it, because I've watched how doubt can get into the heart of a person that they get so preeminent about how much they doubt that they have a hard time looking at evidence and believing it. Nevertheless, evidence is enough truth for a sincere heart. And the women in verse 9 says, the women saw Jesus and worshipped Him on their way to tell the disciples. So the angel said, go into Galilee and go tell his disciples he's risen. Let's look at verse 8, and I'm going to just read through there. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring disciples' word. Did you hear that? They, they went out quickly. They went running to go tell what's just happening here. I would too. As they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, do you remember who this was? This is the one that they watched die. They watched him. So these same women are giving their report. We're, gonna, we're able to receive it today. And they went quickly. They told the disciples. And then Jesus met them and he said, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my, dis- my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So how many of you have a guess? Anybody have a guess to how long Jesus was with His disciples after He was raised? It says it in the Bible. It says 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus wasn't only raised up, and He didn't ascend up immediately. He was raised up, and then he, he, He was there with His disciples for 40 days. See, God was continually laying down a path for the tender hearts of His disciples that watched the brutality of their very Savior. The Lord that they had known was God in flesh. And they knew it. And they watched Him brutally die on a cross and bleed and die in the most inhumane way. So they remember. And so God 
pulled away the stone. He gave them the angel. He gave them the testimony of the women that were there. And then he decided that he was going to be with them for the next 40 days. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Because some of us need this, this sense, I would say today, some of us need, and if we don't need it now, we will at some point in our life. We need the sense of hope in our hopelessness. We need the sense that there's something beyond the struggle that I'm going through or the one that I'm going to go through that tells me that God is with me, that tells me that His love is there despite the struggle or the thing that I'm going through. So we have to know that sometimes we weren't there to see the brutality of Jesus' death, but we felt the brutality and the struggle of what it means to be in the injustice of the world we're living in and the struggle of what it means to live in this world. So essentially, we need to be able to go in, we need to go back to a time that we never, that never existed in. Lord, did this really happen? Because if that really happened, then there's nothing I need to worry about with where I am right now. No matter what the anxiety level is, no matter what the doctors have said, can I hear an amen? I need to hear a louder amen. No matter what the doctors have said, I've got a risen Savior. No matter, no matter even if I'm going to die, I've got a risen Savior. I've got a risen Savior who has a plan beyond my grave. Beyond my day of death. I was thinking about this this week as I was praying with a brother. And I want you to consider this. But some people have lived so long into their life that now they know that the last half of their life, left over of what's their life, is less in number of years than what they've left. And some of them feel so destroyed by their past and so wrecked by what is taking place in their life that they really feel like, what's really the use? Even if God did a miracle for me now, there's not enough lifetime to make up for the lifetime of ruin that I've left for myself. But I want you to think about this beyond your physical body, beyond this breath of life, you've got a risen Savior who has eternity planned out for you. You're not looking at the next 20 years or 10 years of this life. It doesn't matter what you've suffered up to this point. The reality is that you have eternity with God to look forward to. Imagine that a bliss of what it's like. I want to think, I want to talk to you about the one who's suffering from cancer or has been abused deeply in their life. And I can only imagine the pain. I can only imagine the struggle that you have gone through and maybe even a, diff, a day by day difficulty. But I also want to think about what's the step, your first step to see Jesus. What's that going to be like for you? Because there's an old song I love, I love these very words, and it's an old song that says, One glimpse of Him in glory will all the toils of life repay. And so that is the miracle that I, wanted, I, I want to just give in mind is that because of the resurrection of Jesus, I live beyond my grave. I go beyond the day somebody puts this body in the ground and leaves it there to stay. I go beyond that. And I get an eternity with God. And I want you to think about eternity. I want you to think about how long eternity is today. I want you to get a grasp of what that is. And I want you to think about this one thought. Is that eternity, if you were to just measure off eternity, take the highest mountain in the world, and just take a, a bird with a, a handkerchief just on the bottom. And every year, once a year, it wipes off to the top. Just brushes the top of that mountain. By the time that mountain has been down, ground down to powder and just as flat as the earth, you haven't wiped one second off of eternity. Now, tell me that there isn't enough time in eternity to make up for the losses here on earth. Tell me that there's not enough time. So really... Wherever we are, and I think the sweetest part of it is, Jesus, the moment I get to meet You, my suffering days are over. The struggles of my past are gone. The injustice of the world is all done and over with for me. And I get this bliss forever, eternally. Now, I can't begin to describe to you what heaven will look like. 
I can't begin to describe to you what the enormity of having no more pain in my body is going to be like. A body that can't die. A spirit that everlastingly gets to have joy. Only peace. Only joy for eternity. And only my God to enjoy it with. And you. I get to enjoy it with you. And you get to enjoy it with me. I'm going to be the best me I've ever been when I get to be with Jesus. The kind of me that I don't even, I, I can't even dream of as of yet. So let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 3 real quick. It's up there. Awesome. Good. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now it's interesting because my wife, sometimes she's got a brilliant mind. She is a, she's an amazing mind. She can remember things that I can't even come close to. And uh, she'll remember what shoes you were wearing at somebody else's wedding. <laughs> She'll remember your birthdays. She'll have your birthdays down, and I'll be like, I can't even remember mine. But what she does oftentimes is recall an event of the past that I don't remember. Now, I might have been there. I might have had some experience or influence in this situation, but I don't recall it. And this is like for us. When we read this in the Bible, it's an event that took place that we weren't there. As a matter of fact, you had no actual peace to it whatsoever. So for you, God is calling you to believe in something that you were never there and has been so long in history. But you and I still, we believe that when we go through a history book or a history class, for the most part, that those history books are true, don't we? And here we're given the challenge of, will you believe it even though you weren't there? And Jesus said, blessed is he that's not seen and yet still believes. And Jesus put everything on. Everything's built into what he's done, but he's given us one thing for ourselves. And what has he given us? Faith. He's given us an opportunity. And imagine if it had been anything else. But simply, if you would believe, all transactions have been taking place in that moment. So I can go back into my life and I can remember the sinner that I was. I can remember the kind of messed up mindset that I had. I can think about how much I remember, I remember kind of the, the upbringing in my home and just dirty language. Just cussing was a part of my normality in my life. And so I just remember my, my thoughts being plagued with anger, constant anger. It was like there was no relenting of the anger. And yet, it didn't take long before anger turned into the feelings of suicide. And this depression that hung over me like black darkness that never lifted day or night. And just thinking about how much of a struggle my life was. And how much sin was inviting me further and further into that darkness. And see, it didn't matter if people loved me because I didn't feel their love. I didn't sense that love. And in the environment that I was living in, there wasn't a whole lot to give because the people in that environment were struggling with it too. But now I think about this. There was a precious day for James. And then there was a resurrected Jesus that came into my life and He revealed Himself to me. And nobody could have done it. I remember going to church and walking down the foyers and somebody saying to me, how are you doing today? And I remember so dark and the youth didn't even, even talk to me because I wasn't talkable. There wasn't any, there wasn't any, I didn't give them a reaction when they said something to me. And so there was a dark day for me that turned light. And there wasn't, it wasn't just an immediate light, it was a continual uncovering and unveiling of the light of God. But for the first time, I felt real love. I felt a real embrace of God. And then for the first time, I started loving people like I didn't. And I remember thinking about my high school and all the kids that were there that didn't know what I knew. And some of them were going to go off and some of them were already drinking. Some of them were already drugging. Some of them were already partying. Some of them were doing all kinds of those kinds of things. And there was a lot of them that had kind of a popularity. But it was a popularity contest that none of them were winning. 
And I felt like there was this deep grief because there was something hidden from the eyes of mankind and all of those around me. And it was so real to me. And it changed me from the inside out and made me so new. And this depressed young man started having feelings for his mom again. A love for his dad, even though he was so far away and still hadn't been recovered from his alcoholism. And just realizing how precious and powerful the love of God could be. Forgiveness spread over my heart. And I couldn't even begin to explain it. And I remember one day walking out in my lawn and I had wondered. It just had dawned on me. I hadn't said a cuss word and I couldn't remember the last time that I didn't. And it was just such this powerful effect upon my life. And this hidden young man in the back of a classroom all of a sudden came alive. And my school began to know it. I took a Bible about this big, and it was my study Bible. And I would take it to my class with me, and I would lay it on the desk. And I'd have kids that would look around and think, what is wrong? What's going on? I remember my first day in Waitsburg High School. And I had probably about three or four kids looking at my desk, at my Bible, almost like they wanted to pick it up and do something with it. I would tell you that young man, I did not, that guy did not exist prior to Jesus. The willingness to put my Bible out there, to have a Bible, didn't exist. The question is whether God even existed was so prevailing within my mind and no longer was it there, but it was so real. And if there was anyone that was real to me, it was Jesus. And I remember getting at my bedside and praying and worshiping the Lord and finding that refreshing constantly over and over again. And why am I telling you that? Because I'm telling you that's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of the resurrection. It took an unloving, broken young man who needed God desperately and turned him inside out. And so when we hear that song, what God did for me, He can do for you, it isn't because of anything that I tried to do. It's everything that God chose to do. And you know, through the, the faithfulness of a few good Christians, how many can say amen to that? A few good Christians that spoke the word to me, that came to me and started talking to me a little bit more, I began to open up my heart to the Lord and found out that it was worth everything. So I want to go to I want to talk about we go from the infallible, irrefutable proof to the unprecedented power. So just it, it, I want you to take knowledge that shortly after Jesus died, 50 days later we have Pentecost. I want you to look in Acts chapter 1. Jesus had been telling His disciples, He said, there's a day that's coming, guys. Can I get an amen? There's a day that's coming. Remember the disciples were kind of like me. They were hidden away. They were hidden away and in in, in away from everybody else. And they weren't ready to go share Jesus with everyone else around them. And then all of a sudden, this happened. Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I had to look at the end of my notes here. And the day of Pentecost was fully come. Jesus' promise is just coming to pass right now. And they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as the fire, as divided tongues as a fire sat upon each of them. There was a mighty rushing wind. A mighty rushing wind that all of a sudden came into the place. It wasn't a windy day. Remember that. It just became a, a mighty rushing wind in that moment. And the Holy Spirit came in, and, and then there was, there was tongues of fire that sat upon them. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know what it was exactly, but I know that this is what it describes it as. I believe it, it was exactly what it says. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues and other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to hear this from me. This is other languages that were unknown to them. They didn't know how to speak those languages, but miraculously they were speaking it. And so then there was, again, in the same place, there was people from all nations gathered, and they were speaking in the languages of those people. 
And God was giving a declaration to everybody around and they were speaking the praises of God in languages that they didn't know and had not previously learned. Now, um, our missionary that was with us, uh, Ken Huff, I'm just trying to remember, I had to be careful whether I should share his name or not. It's okay, believe me. But he came and he shared something. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but one of the things that he was saying was there was a woman that was there, uh, I think she was in Cambodia, but she, she didn't know English. And she had begun to write down English, but she didn't know she did. And then she showed it to somebody else who was one of the uh, American missionaries there. And they said, that's perfect English. And then she actually learned. She actually began to speak the language. She knew it fluently. And I asked him this question. I said, did she understand it? Like, did she just miraculously come to understand it? He said, to this day, she speaks in English and perfectly understands it and had never learned it from a teacher. That's what happened that day. <laughs> That's what happened. See, God's still trying to say to nations. He's still proving to nations and the people around us that He's still God. And I mean, and, and what God's doing is this. Is I, I was praying about this and I was like, Lord, it seems like everywhere you go, the devil is persuading men. Oh man, everybody's persuaded. We're persuaded by... The, the awfulness of what we're seeing in politics today, we're persuaded. It's like there's darkness everywhere. You turn on the news and what do you get? You get bad news. There's not much good that's going on in the world, is there? And yet I was thinking, as powerful as that is, God persuades men too. And we're reading of persuasion. God does miracles that can't be... There's Doctors can't even begin to explain. God does amazing things that no man can put his finger on, and this was one of them. And they all listened to it, and they said, we all hear them speaking in our language. And God did what he, took to, what he had to do in order to get their attention. Let me finish the verses here. In verse 5, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the sound of mighty rushing wind, sound of these men speaking in, in other languages, came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Now, that's unprecedented power. There isn't anything else like it. There isn't anywhere in the universe that you can have any comparison to this mighty power of God. And so then we have one last thing I think is remarkable. And what is this? 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. After the resurrection, the mighty power of God came down. The mighty power of God revealed to them and 3,000 souls came to God in one sermon. One sermon got the hold of 3,000 souls. Now, why am I telling you that? Because I find in the same pages of this book that's inspired by God from one end to the next, I see all the way there where God says He's no respecter of persons. And I want to highlight something. God didn't just show His unprecedented power to His disciples and to the people that were there in those, that moment. He showed His unprecedented power to them and he's continuing to do so now. You know, we had our missionary, Shea Linseth, with us yesterday. Remarkable. You know what was one of the most remarkable things about having her here with us? My wife, she had given, uh, she'd given something to my wife that we'd shared with you. There was a prayer request for a young woman that was really struggling terribly. Suicidal, those kinds of things. And... We didn't hear the backside of that story. But we prayed for him. We prayed for her. And so she shared last night, and it just happened to be one of the things that she did. We didn't ask her to. We didn't even, we'd forgot to even ask her about it. But she happened to share that story last night. Isn't that a God factor? She happened to share that story last night, and she shared the back half of the testimony. And through the prayers of the saints, God miraculously gave her visions and dreams things that she said I, like were out of the book of Revelation, and so that it was so changed her spirit that it turned her completely inside out, and she's now serving Jesus faithfully and loving the Lord with all of her heart. 
So that's the power of the resurrection is what it's doing in lives. And so this one thought, it occurred to me. How many of you know how many miracles God's done in the world? How many of you know how many miracles are going on right now? Any hands? The truth is there's so many millions of miracles that we're not witnesses to, nor have we heard about. But as a result of Jesus' resurrection, people are getting miracles for their bodies, miracles for their souls. People are being saved. You know what I mean by being saved? I mean that you've been living in sin and you don't know what it's like to have the forgiveness and the guilt of your life now washed away. And now you can be completely free of every guilty thing you've done before man and God because of the blood of Jesus. That doesn't mean man will forgive you, but it does mean you can be right with God. And if they get things right with God, they'll probably forgive you too. But we're talking about being saved, that I'm a new person in Christ. And the things I was talking about for me could be very much like that for us. Now I'm sure many of you know what it's like to be saved. How many of you can say, I'm saved. I love Jesus. I'm going to heaven, right? Amen. And how hear we every man in our own tongue. So in, in Acts chapter 2, verses 8-11, through 11, we see that Peter preached fearlessly in, verse four, uh, in chapter 14, verse 40. 3,000 souls gave their lives to God in verses 41 through 42. The fear in signs and wonders were done by the church. Unprecedented power. They sold their possessions and gave to those who had need. Do you know that they weren't just selling like uh, their antiques? They were selling their houses. Not the ones they were living in as far as I know, but the ones that they didn't need. And they were giving to the needs of others. Everyday people were coming to God. And there was a perpetual continuation of that through the rest of the book of Acts, even till our day. So I want to talk about perpetual power. And Jesus came, so let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This is what Jesus told to his disciples. Are you a disciple? Are you guys a disciple? Amen. Matthew 28. It says in verses 18 through 20, And Jesus came and spoke, spoke to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now we got to take this word right off the page and make it our own. See, Jesus wasn't just speaking it to his generation. He's speaking it to our generation. Behold, I give you power. Okay? Go into all the nations and preach the gospel to every creature. Go tell them about the resurrection. Go tell them about what's struggling in their life. Maybe they'll reject you, but that doesn't matter because it's still true and they need it. The end of the world. Notice he says, I am with you even into the end of the world. Notice he didn't say to the end of a lifetime. He didn't say to the end of a lifetime. So the disciples, it wasn't to the end of their lifetime. It's not to the end of our lifetime. I want to share with you a testimony. Remember, I've been sharing with you Smith Wigglesworth, and I was like, I've been giving you quotes. I want to share with you a testimony that happened in his ministry. This is what he says. We have a wonderful God, a God whose ways are past finding out. Smith Wigglesworth was not one of the disciples of Jesus back in the day. This is just to prove that God's continuing to do in the same as He did back then. And whose grace and power are limitless. I was in Belfast one day and saw one of the brethren of the assembly and he said to me, Wigglesworth, I am troubled. I have had a good deal of sorrow during my past five months. I had a woman in my assembly who could not pray. Oh, who, who could always pray the blessing of heaven down on our meetings. And she is an old woman, but her presence is always inspiring. But five months ago, she fell and broke her thigh. And the doctors put her into a plaster cast. After five months, they broke the cast. But the bones were, pro were not properly set, and so she fell and broke the thigh again. He took me to her house, and there was a woman lying on a bed on the right side of the room. I said to her, well, what about it now? And she said, 
They have sent me home incurable. The doctors say that I am so old that my bones won't knit. And there is no nutriment in my bones, and they could, not, they could never do anything for me. And they say, I shall have to lie in my bed for the rest of my life. I said to her, can you believe God? She replied, yes. Ever since I heard that you had come to Belfast, my faith has been quickened. If you will pray, I will believe. I know there is no power on earth that can make the bones of my thigh knit, but I know there is nothing impossible with God. I said, do you believe he will meet you now? And she answered, I do. It is grand to see people believe God. God knew all about this leg and that it was broken in two places. I said to the woman, when I pray, something will happen. Her husband was sitting there. Listen to this. He had been in his chair for four years and could not walk a step. He called out, I don't believe. I won't believe. You will never get me to believe. I said, all right, and laid my hands on his wife in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the moment my hands were laid on her, the power of God went right through her, and she cried out, I'm healed. I said, I'm, going, I'm, I'm not going to assist you to rise. God will do it all. She rose and walked up and down the room, praising God. Now listen to the rest of this. The old man was amazed at what had happened to his wife. He cried out, make me walk, make me walk. I said to him, you old sinner, repent. And he cried out, Lord, you know I never meant it. What I said, you know I believe. I don't think he meant what he said. Anyhow, the Lord was full of compassion. If he had marked our sins, who would of any of us be able to stand? If we all will meet the conditions, God will always meet us. If we believe all things are possible, he laid his hand. I laid my hands on him, and the power went right through the old man's body. And whose legs for the first time in four years received power to carry his body. He walked up and down, in and out, and he said, Oh, what great things God has done for us tonight. Why do I read this story? I read this story because it's meant for us. It's meant for you. I don't know what, I don't know what you want God to do. I don't know what's really on your heart the most. I don't know. But I can say I think that it's endless. If you really think about it, it's endless. Lord, I want something. What stops you today from believing God for that one thing? Or maybe multiple things as far as that's concerned. What stops you? Maybe it's this thought. I don't know if it's in God's will. Would it bring Him glory? Would you bring Him glory if He did it? Yeah. But I've prayed already for it, and it hasn't happened. But did you believe? There's a lot of prayers we pray, but we say things, but it's not that we're stirred by faith in an absolute sense of certainty that it's impossible for God to deny me. See, we pray as if the heavens were still brass and we're not sure that whether God would receive us or not. But on what conditions can I say today, infallibly, for sure, that I know God wants to meet your need right now? What is it? I can say because of the resurrection, Jesus wants to prove himself all over this building. He wants to prove himself all over. You say, well, he has proven himself. He wants to reaffirm himself within your life. See, God wants to do more miracles today because it's who he is. And why? Because it glorifies his name. So when we read stories like this, we think how crazy or impossible. But I want you to go read some of the stuff by Wigglesworth. And there was this continuation of faith that works its way through everything in ministry. And why was it such? It was like he was a brilliant man, but no, what he was is he was a man that was committed to God. He was a man that was committed to God. I think when we come to the end of it, we'll come to this realization is simply, Lord, we haven't believed enough. We haven't believed enough. And so my prayer is lately, and I, my prayer for you is this, God, do in their lives. God, do in their lives more to bless others. This community needs what God's going to do in each of your lives. The forgiveness, the struggle, the battle, the listening to Megan's testimony about God bringing her up in miracles. We've got Carol Beals. She's going to share a testimony here one of these days. But she had a back brace all the way around her back 
and the doctors had just signed it off and said nothing's going to happen. To this day, she's one of the most wonder-working wonder women that I know. She works harder than in, in so many, and she's able to do it, and she has no back brace. You guys know. No back brace. I remember a man uh, by the name of Tom Cox and that he was diagnosed with terminal prostate cancer with six months to live, and God healed him because people had faith in Jesus. And I know that maybe you've gone through some struggles, and I've prayed, I've prayed. Well, believe. Believe the Lord to do more and trust Him for it. And God's going to do it. God's going to do it because it glorifies Jesus every time. Listen to me. Every time God answers a prayer, it glorifies God when you can give it back to Him in praise. Lord, thank You for what You've done. We don't recognize it as a glory... But the resurrection is the reason you know. Let me tell you this. The resurrection is the reason you know you can pray and you can expect to receive. You know that you can expect to receive. Because there's this shadow between a distance between God and man until you break that gap. And Jesus Christ broke it. He finished it. He finished the work so that we could come. And I think that's powerful. That's powerful because right now, this beyond this room. It's beyond the people in this room. It's the people that are out there, not only in our county, but the people beyond our county and in our world all around us. And Jesus wants to equip you by pouring Himself into you, by empowering you to be able to share the Gospel. And I believe in some ways, signs and wonders, there will be times when God does things through miracles because you prayed for somebody and they've been healed and it's brought them to Christ, and they've turned to the Lord. And God wants to do things through your life. He wants to start today. He doesn't want you to think that it starts tomorrow. It's another gap between somebody's soul and your own. So it's time to preach the Gospel. It's time to share with people there's power in the name of Jesus. Power to be able to heal. Power to deliver from any sin. I don't know what a man's past has been, but I know there's some men that need to come in here. I know there's some ladies that need some deliverance in their life. I know that they're strung out on drugs. I know that there's alcohol. I know that there's abuse in homes. It's all over this place and this county. And they need deliverance. And it's not going to be because we have some government program to give it to them. It's because Christians believe in the power of Jesus' name. Man, I love it. I love to watch the alcoholic get set free immediately. I love to see the drug addict come off of his drugs and share about how powerful Jesus is immediately. You know, I was reading and I just couldn't help but this. I noticed in my Bible that Jesus would go up to them and He'd heal them and they were healed immediately. Immediately. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. There's an immediacy with God oftentimes. And He's waiting on you. He's not waiting on you to do more. He's waiting on you to believe better. I'm going to believe Him today. See, I want you to start believing like, even if I don't see it today or tomorrow, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see God do it. And then the more you look in your Bible and you read what it says, read it and find, is there a, is there a verse against it? If you find nothing but verses in the Bible for it, believe for it. Believe it. We'll see more and more. That's why in this church, I love it when we have prayer times and you guys share with me the answers to prayer. And we're going to have more answers to prayer and more people that are going to come away from that darkness and going to share some very liable testimonies and see more baptisms of those who've been saved by the love of Jesus. That's the power of the resurrection. You're the reason. You're the power of the resurrection. The transformation in your life proves the power of the resurrection for our generation. Amen? So it's not what we're asking what God's going to do, but give Him praise for what He's already done. Let's give Him ample praise for the faithfulness of God in our lives and everything that He's done to this day. Let's give God an amazing hand and praise, a clap offering right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now this is your turn. This is your turn. I'm going to tell you something. God wants to do miracles in this place. 
There was a place that Jesus went to, and it said he didn't do many, many powerful works or many mighty works because of their unbelief. Push it off and start believing God. Expect him to do something today. I want to share one last little testimony. You may think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. I've shared this before, but it's been one of the most remarkable things in our family. And, I, and so many of you know, but I'm going to share with some of you who don't. There was a, a rock that my son, Caleb, a long time ago, we, he had lost out in the field, out of the park. You guys know the park. And we were out in a certain area out in the park, kind of that upper park. And we had been doing something for the 4th of July up there. And it was at night, and he had lost it. And he said, Dad, I lost my rock. Can you help me go find it? How incredible is that, right? And so we were like, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. I wasn't even sure that he had lost his rock up there. You know how kids can be at times. So I wasn't so sure. I wasn't convinced. Let's just say that much. So I told him when we got over there, I said, let's pray. And it was broad daylight, but there's grass and the rock was only about like so big. It wasn't like this, okay? So it's hard to find for sure. It's like having a nickel or something in the middle of, but doesn't shine. So we prayed. We asked God to help us find this rock. And we walked that field and we walked it good. We walked it like we were expecting to find something and trying to find something, right? Well, we didn't find anything. Well, Jesus didn't answer your prayer. Not so. Oh, not so. And I looked at him. I said, let's pray one more time. And, I, and I, we prayed and said, Lord, show us where the rock is. And we walked that field one more time. And we walked it this way and that way. And you know it's a pretty, pretty big one. And, and we didn't find it. God didn't answer my prayer. Wait one more time. And I said, son, this is when. And I just had that moment, that God-breathed moment for me and him. And I said, son, this is the time when people quit praying. This is when they stop because they, they feel like it's, there's, we've already done all, all, all we can do and God isn't given to us. And I said, are you sure? Are you sure that it's here? Because maybe it's somewhere else and that's the reason we didn't get an answer for prayer here. And he said, dad, I'm sure it's here. And I said, we're not going to pray again. We're just going to walk one more time out in that field. You know, God cares about the smallest things in our life because of the resurrection of Jesus. He cares, right? And we walked out there and we walked out in the middle and there's this one little bit of a barren spot. And I'd stopped and I looked down right by my right foot and I saw that rock right by my foot. And that day I saw one more time. You've got to understand, I've lived, I've lived for almost 44 years of my life and I've come to this realization that God continues over and over again just to me alone to show how powerful the resurrection really is. And I saw that rock and I picked it up. And we both, there was this new praise in our spirit and we're still carrying the effect of that today. So listen to me when I say with all of my heart, God wants to do something in your life, not just for you, but for somebody else in your life. And He needs you to be that specimen of His grace and His goodness and the overflow of His power. Amen? So I'm going to give you an opportunity. You can worship the Lord all you want. We will find a way to keep music going in this place if you want. You can come up front. You can stay where you are. But expect God to do things. I want next Sunday to be here praises of miracles all over that take place in this room because of the resurrection of Jesus. We don't need anything else. God's not waiting for anything else to happen. He just wants you to move forward. In faith. We love that little baby girl. She's sweet. We love her. We need to hear more of that here. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And we're going to worship the Lord. You're going to believe God. Amen. we got some kidney stones we're believing God for. If you're not having something for you, believe for her. Amen. Amen. Don't you all want to come here next Sunday and there's no more kidney stones? Father, thank you today, God, that we get the privilege of looking at Jesus, Lord, and that you want to touch us, and you want to mold us and shape us, God, the kingdom children that we really are. Jesus, you came to redeem us, led in such a radical way that you sent the love of God so proven to us, that God commended his love toward us. You commended your love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. Not one person in this place has to live under the and the pain and the guilt of their sin, Lord, we can be free today. We can be completely washed and renewed from everything we've ever done in our lives.
God, I pray for renewing. I pray for miracles all over this place. Lord, I believe you to do incredible things for Jesus' name's sake. And the church is saying, Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we worship you right now. And while we worship you, 